podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. It's Today at the World Cup. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me tonight is uh, Chris. Chris, a uh, long, long day of uh, podcasting for you today. I feel like I've not been on for an hour. <laughs> Getting to be yeah. pretty old hat at this stuff. I uh, know it was that it was that much fun. I thought I'd come back and do some more. So, but I'll let you do the hosting duty, so I can just sit back and relax and wind the chat. Yeah. Well, well, I thought the show was called today at the World Cup with a question mark because uh, I I don't get to see a lot of it because I have to work during the day. So, um, but thankfully today was a good day to miss the middle two games because a couple of nil nil draws in there. But I, I mean, think li- literally one thing happened in the two games combined. There were I saw bits of them. The, the two bookends were the best parts of the day today. The middle two were a bit. Yeah, well, it's, I, I couldn't get myself to get up at five in the morning for what seemed like it was going to be a procession of Argentina against Saudi Arabia. You know, everybody's kind of chosen whipping boys for the tournament. But <coughs> I was up for the second half. And by the time I got the TV turned on, all of a sudden it was 2-1. And I mean, yeah, I saw a result. Yeah, I, I saw half the first half. So I saw a replay of the penalty. Which will come to Roy Keane's. Uh, Roy Keane and Francis having a Barney over it, which is oh, was fabulous to watch. Uh, I think, I think they had three or four goals disallowed for offsides, and most of them looked off offside. Uh, I think a few in the chat saying one of them might have been dubiously disallowed, but he was kind of like going like, it felt like one of those games going. Well, I've seen a one nil up. They're playing okay. They'll pick them off, and it'll probably finish like two three nil. Nothing to worry mm. about. Uh, and to be fair to him, when they went it, when they made it one one, you were like. The, you, you felt the mood change of this feels like game on. And I'll be honest, uh, Tottenham's defender Romero, he's just not tight to him. I don't know if that's because he's, he's not, not fit. Yeah. It, it, I don't think he's fit. And it shows because that turn and he was done. <coughs> nice finish. But very un It was a very, I think Sumas called right, very un Argentinian. You know, they were quite passive and easy. And this is an Argentina side that, that's won the last 35, 36 games and barely conceded the goal. But I must admit, though, the winner. Oh, it's an absolute joy of a goal. I mean, yeah. you know, forget who, forget it's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant finish. You know, Martinez has got no chance, no keeper saving that. So what the goal to put them in front was great. My only worry when I saw it, I was thinking, it feels like you scored that too early. Bit early, yeah. Yeah, you want to score that one with the last kick of the game, you think. Yeah, Argentina are going to come back into this. They're going to really um, go for it. But listen, the keeper was inspired. I mean, I think I'd look at the XG. I think their XG was something like, Argentina was three. You know, and Saudi Arabia literally had three shots on goal and scored two. Um, the scariest moment of the whole game was the Saudi Arabia comes out for a oh. cross, punches it, and he knees his mate in the in the in the face, like, and he's down for it. That was brutal. That and was brutal. That was I, that was really really, but that <coughs> was a scary well, collision. Well, Ben uh, Dinnery's come out. Who's uh, he does like a lot of sports injuries. Says Saudi Arabia defender has been was knocked unconscious after being kneed in the head by his own goalkeeper, has reportedly suffered fractured jaw, broken facial bones, and internal bleeding in in, in the game. Oh, I mean, listen, it, I was amazed I he stood it. up. I, mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe he stood up because it, it was only thinking, oh, they don't, it, at first you thought, oh, it's a time-wasting thing, you know, because they all, you know, and I'm like, don't blame him because you've got to do it. As soon as you saw yeah. the first replay, you're like, oh, and they kept showing it. I don't keep showing it. Yeah. Just sort because of, it was as soon as he hit, as soon as the, it connects with him, the poor lad's out, and it yeah. was a really horrible. Like, oh, that's a. Cr- 
I think that could probably kill the Argentina's momentum as well. Not on listen, they weren't playing for that, but they just never really looked like proper carving them open. I didn't think there were some good saves to the keeper, there were saves I was expecting them to make though. Well, the, <coughs> the keeper made a great save off Messi about 90 seconds in, where the ball breaks the Messi, uh, and, you know, about 12 yards out. And the keeper does a great job of getting low down with his right hand and keeping the ball out. Uh, yeah, yeah I. Watch that replay. Penalty? I don't know how that wasn't a penalty on Maguire. I mean, that's just a proper rugby tackle. That's what I mean. I think uh, this is so Roy Keane and Grace has got into a big barney. That's what Roy Keane said. It's never the Argentina has never a pen in a million years. It's ridiculous. And soon as and he makes the right point, which is the new directive is if you're holding a player and not looking at the ball, you're actually looking at the player. The old Italian way of defending, uh, which they became famous for, is. We have to give a penalty. So by the by the way that the in terms of that's right. The frustration is we've seen the same thing happen in another game and they haven't done it. But they'll say it's soft and they'll say, look, you know, this is not great. You know, we're gonna give away loads of penalties. But you know what? Defenders get wiser. Once you know a referee's wise to doing it, you just find a new way of doing it, either defend properly or if you've got to hold him, make it look like you're looking at the ball, even though you've got your eye on him, and then they can't do anything then. So yeah. It's a rule that would have done Martin Skirtle in for about 15 or 20 penalties a game, you know, if it was actually properly enforced 15 years oh, ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's like anything. Uh, it's one of those things, you'll get three or four penalties for it. And a defender's like any sport, will adapt to find a different way of stopping you. That's what exactly. you have to do. It's like anything. So I was like, look, a bit of a, you do wonder if it was the way around, if that was a, an Argentinian player doing that to a Saudi player, would you have got it? I don't know. They're probably a little bit of big, big, uh, big team bias. But do you know what? I thought it was it was a really entertaining game, and I thought, "What's well, a nice surprise? A couple of nice surprises." Now, I would say that's the biggest surprise win since probably Argentina lost to Cameroon in 1990. I mean, if first, if Argentina went to the final that year, despite losing to Cameroon, but I would say that's yeah. probably one, that, probably one of the big ones, especially when Argentina are in great form. It's not like they've been like shaky and you know, oh, I'm not really sure what Argentina are going to do. They're, they're one of the favourites to win this. So it's a big win. The good thing is it makes the rest of the group really excited next. Then you're now looking going, you know, Argentina are lucky that uh, Denmark and Tunisia drew, but now Argentina and Denmark now it's kind of like winner stays in, which is really exciting. Yeah. Which is going to make it, it just makes that group exciting because we all thought, foregone conclusion, Argentina win 3 4 0, game's over, we'll go on to the next, we'll go on to the next bit. So I quite like the fact that you get these some of these upsets because then at least then you're going, well, this now makes the middle game really intriguing. Yeah, and hopefully eliminates that issue you have where you get to that third group game and you get one team that's willing to just settle for the draw and you end up with, uh, what was that, Spain 82 where the teams just pass the ball around. and Yeah, I think that wasn't that one where there was also one where this is why the, the final games always played at the same time as well because there was another game where literally two sides just they knew the results of the previous game and they just went they literally didn't, just didn't leave the half and went yeah, sat, sat in the center circle and played poker for 90 yeah. minutes just about just the, but i gotta say like i was i was impressed with saudi arabia's defending i mm. you know not knowing anything about the saudi arabia national team you just kind of expected them to play deitch ball you know to put two banks of five or six and four behind the ball and to sit back and just try to you know not leave any shooting lanes open not leave anything but they were they were quick in the tackle. Like they really seemed to have a game oh, sorry, plan. It's, it's and... Me- sorry, it's Mexico and Poland in their group. I, I, I got the two groups mixed up. That's, it's the nil nils. We'll get to those in due time. 
somebody earlier mentioned that you know they they played a really good high line and like yeah the whole game like they they weren't just sitting back on their heels and I think that's what ended up saving them like keeping them with the with the three points in the group was that they weren't just passive and sitting back in the box and just letting Argentina come again and again and again the number of passes that they cut out that was the pass before the ball got into the box where they were just snapping into it I, it was really uh, an impressive performance from them and as a result tomorrow has been declared a national holiday in Saudi Arabia so you know everybody gets to take the day off which is all which is always good it's what everyone wants really but you wouldn't have said yeah. though, after after game one of group C Saudi Arabia will be top of the group no, no, no. I, I would, I would imagine that a few people's uh, accumulator bets for the day got ruined oh, yeah. in the very first game. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. But look, that's what you want. You want. We've seen a few, not surprises, but I would say you are seeing a few more of these. When you see like a, an established one of the favourites for the tournament against you know a small nation, but they've stopped doing this. Oh shit! We'll just do ten men behind the ball, and you know, hopefully, you know, we only get a two or three 0 They're going for it. And I think it's actually given a lot of these teams a surprise. And we'll, we'll come on to the France-Australia uh, game, which ended up finishing a comfortable win for France. But for an hour, Australia made that very interesting and very and very difficult. You know, and that's kind of what you want them to do. You know, if you're going to lose, you know, don't go out of a whimper. You know, at least no. make it interesting. But speaking of, speaking of whimpers... Yes, no kidding. It's uh, thankfully I had to go to work for the uh, second game of the day, and I did try. I, I I like to listen to the games on radio when I'm at work, but I found the BBC feed that we're getting here in Canada. It was just the crowd noise was way too loud, so I didn't pay any attention to the Denmark Tunisia game. So I'm going to give my opinion <coughs> on it, which I got from Dennis Kelly in our Telegram group. Decent for a nil all. Tunisia is a big and physical side. Denied Denmark a lot of the ball in the first half. A draw was a fair result. And didn't, having didn't. watched the extended highlights on our broadcaster that's carrying it, the extended highlights were five minutes long. And that's not well. good when the extended highlights are five minutes. And a minute of that was the teams coming out of the tunnel and a, you know, a few seconds of the national anthem. So didn't miss a lot on that one. No, I, th- I think the only talking point or surprise of the game was uh, the referee was sent to the monitor to look at a penalty. And um, when you see the replay uh, is against a Chisney player, ball comes in, flicks up, hits his leg, bounces up, hits his chest and hits his arm. So it's about yeah. three deflections onto it. And it, obviously he's been told to go look at that. And we all know, go look at the monitor. He's going to give a penalty. And he comes back around and he turns out and the referee just goes, not for me, not having that. Corner. And you can even see the Danish players who probably don't think it's a penalty all going, Fucking hell, not when you go to the monitor, it's like, ah, oh, quit Because yeah. <laughs> everyone does that. Everyone goes, that's why I don't like the monitor. Because I'm like, oh, the referee makes a decision. Yeah, but they never normally change their mind, which is it was quite a pleasant surprise. I mean, fairness to him, you all look at the replay going, don't think that's a penalty anyway, because it's deflected three times. And he's, it, it's, you know, it's not really a, a penalty anyway. But it was like a nice highlight, a, ni- a nice novelty of, I mean, I don't know why you sent to the monitor in the first place. At least then you're going, yeah, oh, fair play. But that's literally the only thing I could talk about. Look at the two yeah, sides. It's, I, the, each, each keeper, I think, made one good save. Uh, you know, getting getting wide. Casper Schmeichel did his best, his dad impression, impression on one. And uh, there's a guy for Denmark. I'm going to call him Yukon Cornelius. I think his name is Cornelius something or other. He got on the end of a mm-hmm. flicked header, and he was about six inches out, and he managed to hit the post. Like, it was... Yeah. It, seemed, it seemed like it was just one of those games. The concern for... 
<coughs> Denmark, I would say, is I don't know where they get the goals from. Because back line is Joachim Anderson, Sam Kier and, and Andreas Christensen. Decent back three. You know, very yeah. experienced, what you need. You know, they've got Flett, they've got, you know, Christian Eriksen, Thomas Delaney's a good player, Hoiberg's good for Spurs. Uh, you know, they brought on Damsgaard, you know, so they brought on talent. But the front three were Dolberg, not convincing as an out and out striker. And then looking no. at the, who they had on the bench, Yusuf Poulsen, who can play up front for Leipzig, didn't even get on, so I'm assuming he's injured. Martin Braithwaite, who's had an amazing career at Barcelona and all sorts, you know, how he, he's got a great agent. But again, he's not really, he didn't feature either. So that's the concern with Denmark is, I just don't see where the goals are going to come from, which is why you sort of think like, they could be in a bit of trouble, really, Denmark. Because I'm a bit like, you know, if France have got their next, I, I can't see them troubling France like Australia does. So I do think like, yeah, it it feels like maybe Denmark, it's like a tournament too fast. that They feel like that squad's sort of in a bit of a transition of getting ready for the next, the next level. So... So that was a bit of a, I feel it's a bit of a damp squid, really. It wasn't really much of a much of a game. Yeah. Uh, so then we thought, so we went to the next game, Poland, which Poland Mexico. To be honest, wasn't much better. Uh, no. <coughs> Mexico, normal on these sides, and most World Cups I see, they look. Re- they always everyone's underdog, uh, dark horse for the World Cup. They look really good in the group stage, and they just knocked out on the last sixteen. It's kind of yeah. like rinse and repeat. They're like the they're like the old Arsenal of international football. Um, but the big thing was uh, Lewandowski missing a pen. Which poor, was, I mean, to be fair, I thought it was not a bad penalty. I thought it was a decent save by the keeper. But it's one of those ones I'll put me out of it. Lewandowski penalty, 1 0 Poland, dead easy. And you're just like, you know. I mean, Kev's saying uh, Mexico uh, better than I thought, but Poland were poor. Yeah, but, I mean, Poland haven't done much of the last couple of tournaments. Really. They've always sort of, they always like appear. Do the three games and that that's then done, but it, yeah. it wasn't a, it, again. It wasn't a bit of a great game. They're singing. Oh I mean, it's it's an improvement for Poland that who normally lose their first group game at the World yep. Cup. So you know they didn't lose, so that's good. Um, but yeah, like there was, I I I listened to this entire game on the radio, and the one player that seemed to stand out was Gallardo, the left back from Mexico. He seemed like he was causing a little bit of trouble going at Matty Cash for Poland. But other than that, I mean, both of these teams seem like they were really having trouble creating anything offensively. I think at halftime, the BBC radio guys were saying that Lewandowski didn't have a touch in the Mexico box. Like, that's not a great sign when your whole team is built around get the ball to Robert Lewandowski and he doesn't have a touch in the 18-yard area. And it's it's not a great sign. And that – it really makes things – Tasty, given the fact that Saudi Arabia now has the three points in that group. It does. You know, you, like these two teams would have been banking on Argentina taking nine points. You know, we're going to lose to Argentina. That's fine. And we're going to beat Saudi Arabia. And if we draw each other, it'll come down to how badly you lose to Argentina and how well you can defeat Saudi Arabia. And now cats amongst the pigeons. Like these teams are going to have to go for broke in their last two games. I agree. I mean, <coughs> if I'm Saudi Arabia, I'd fancy a chance against Poland. I generally would. You know, yeah. so we'll have to sort of see how that goes. But then we went to best game of the day. Uh, one of the best games of the day, really. Uh, France against Australia. Again, another game that was probably seen as a bit of a processionist, foregone conclusion. From a loophole perspective, Karate starts, which is 
always huge. Good. Yeah, yeah. You know, re relink of the old Leipzig centre back partnership of Uber Meccano and um, Karate. I mean, obviously, I'm, I've not always been the most nice about Uber Meccano because I, I, I think he's vast. I think he's a good defender. But I think he's vastly overrated, especially with the ball at his feet. But to be fair to him, ball at his feet, he was really, really good actually. So I can't, I can't really um, say anything. Yeah, he had he had one where he dribbled out that it was uh, really impressive, and I thought it was mm. Kanate, and got excited about it. And I saw it was Ufa McCann. I was like, ah, shit. Yeah. yeah, but the start of the game, the start of the game, you thought, right, okay, France. You know, despite the dangers they got, some some hell of a side. But Australia take a surprise surprise lead. You know, uh, they drove past Hernandez. Hernandez, and it's a great ball because <coughs> the bend on it. The two centre backs can't touch it or get near it. No. And it's, it's in that. Corridor certainly where Lloris can't come out for it. And it's a nice finish by the winger because the easiest thing to do is to slam it low, which is what Lopez did. Yeah. It gives, it gives Lewis a chance. The fact as it bounces up, he manages to lift it. Lewis got no chance. It's shite defended by Pavard, though. He literally can yeah. see him and he just watches him and he's like waves at him. And even when he scores, I don't think Pavard even knows he's there when he scores because he's seen him looking around then going, Who scores that? Like he's the fellas next to you the whole game. <laughs> Yeah, it's apparent, apparently Pavard might be the French word for Trent because, like, the Canadian halftime show, they absolutely slaughtered him. Like, they had a couple of women on from the Women's World Cup team, and they they just talking like at, that is schoolboy defending. I mean, they don't use that term over here. And you're just watching it, like, yep, yeah. As like as it turns out, there are other fullbacks that get caught out at the back stick, ball watching, and having a player drifting in behind him. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's just uh, it was really poor defender. But I felt sorry for Hernandez because um, I first thinking, oh, is he slipped? You know, and as he twisted, but you see it, the 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 knee he grabs is once off the ground. It's just down his knee, so something's gone there and gone quite badly because um, he was down for ages. And then yeah. the other Hernandez, the other Hernandez. I mean, you don't wish the injury on a player, but the best thing that happened to France was the other Hernandez came on because he was their main outlet. All the time, a really good, clever positions, and he gave a nice mix of deep crosses, or he got to the byline and pulled pull, pulled him in. So, you know, I thought, you know, that inadvertently became the great thing. And then our friend, our friend, Mister Kev, uh, said, "This Rabio shite. I can't stand Rabio. He's absolutely overheight. He's rubbish, and scores great." <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be honest, me and Kev did do this all the time. And since whoever we slag off scores. Unfortunately, when we do it to Liverpool players, they just get worse. So we yeah, we haven't developed that skill yet where you can say Salah's been crap today and he scores that trick, and we go, "Brilliant, oh, look really stupid." Yeah. I, love, I love looking stupid when you say Liverpool players rubbish and they, they score. But it's a, it was probably the first time somebody in the game got some free space in that Australian team because I thought for the first twenty minutes or so, uh, twenty fifteen, uh, Moy was really good in that number six role. He kept. Um, yeah. He was oh every cutback he was there for the interception. I thought he did that number six job really really well. Kev saying he's still he's still shit, but he's <coughs> he's gonna die on that hill, isn't he? So and then the second goal, um, nice cutback for Giroud. So yeah, go one terrible, behind. terrible playing out from the back by Australia. I mean, they may as well have just kicked it into their own goal. Yeah, it's a combination of terrible. Uh, also, to be fair to France, good pre good high press. You know, and it's yep. that man again, Kev's mate, Rabio, gets the ball, squares, and it's an easy finish for Giroud. I mean, it's what Giroud does at international level, scores goals, 50th international goal for France. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable yeah, how how underrated 
Olivier Giroud is. It's when you think back of you know the best strikers of the last twenty years, you you'd probably get fifteen twenty names down the list before Giroud pops up, and as, he's going to end pure, up as France's all time top goal scorer yeah, in the national. As a pure as a pure old school target number nine, he's brilliant because he never had pace. Mm. So. But his control and his technique is fantastic, and that's what gives him the link play. And listen, he's played for you know some really good, exciting passing sides. So you know it's not like he's just a lump up front. You know he's got mm-hmm. so much about his game. Uh, and then we saw possibly miss the tournament from Mister Mbappe, who we'll come back to because me and Kev said he was having a crap game as well, and he also put us on our legs. But it's a great ball into him, and for a man of his ability, that's a tap in. You know, it it was harder for him to put it over the bar for a man of his for the ability and the goal scoring ability he's got. He should be better. He should be better than that, really. <coughs> yeah, but yeah. I I think there was a pretty clear sign there today. Like I thought, I thought both Mbappe and Usman Dembele looked electrifying every time they got on the ball. I mean, yeah, there's a Dembele pretty big gap. Yeah, a pretty big gap, uh, I think, in the quality between the sides. I mean, Australia was last team qualified for the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. You know, they really had to take a a long road to even qualify to play in this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a a lot of that side plays in the Scottish Premier League as well. So, (coughs) that's a lot of sides. But that's Dembele when he's fit. When he's fit, he's we all know he's an electrically quick player and really talented. He just can't get on the He's just getting on the pitch. But the mad thing is, Australia probably should have gone in at 2-2. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make with a Tash, um, who me and Kev fell in love with. Um, I've got to find his name now. He, he had the world's greatest mustache. It was almost, almost, uh, Alonso, uh, not Alonso, Allison esque Tash. Ooh. Proper Aussie style, big, big, dirty Tash. It was great. But he had a, unfortunately for him, the bounce does him actually when he heads it down the bus and it clears up because Larice is nowhere near it. Uh, yeah. which me and Kev were hoping for the 2 2 because I thinking we still think France will go on and win this. Um, because I think they've got too much quality. But it would have been nice to go, let's see how they react again to a 2-2. I think for France, for the tournament, that this, this game will do in the world of good because they, they had to work for it and they had to go up a gear. They, they couldn't like just cruise control, easy 3-0 win, barely get out of first gear. You know, both times they played Australia in the World Cup, they've had to work for it. You know, the last time they played Australia was a 2-1 and it was a very impressive pomper goal to, to win it for them. You know, a bit of magic, really. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise they had no chance. Um, I did think in the game Griezmann was quite impressive actually in that, in that deeper role. It actually seemed to suit him, you know, just to spray it out to the the pace out wide and you know getting in behind Drew. I actually think that sort sort of really well. I mean, when you have Shuemeni behind you, it does it does make it easier for you because he can do a lot of your your running and the dirty work. And I thought he did all the dirty work really well. So. Yeah, <coughs> yeah it's a it was a surprising uh, position to see him in. You know, it like. I don't know whether France will take this same formation going forward into the tournament or whether that was just looking at what Australia was going to bring, knowing that you could play those four attacking players. You know, you can yeah. have Griezmann in as a, as a 10 and not really worry about it because Dembele, Mbappe, and Giroud, I don't know if they came back into their own half in the entire game. Mbappe never does. Mbappe no. never does, but, but I think he's... I think that's how he's told to play, though. I mean, if you go to a loop... Go back to that, you know, what's it, because of Liverpool podcast. It's what we tell Salah to do. Yeah, he can get back, but he is told of all the strikers, you get forward and cheat and be the outlet. And with Mbappe's pace, 
why wouldn't you? And Giroud just isn't going to do it because, um, you know, he hasn't got the pace, he hasn't getting quick. But uh, Kev, the one thing it is France can line up like that with a with a proper three man field. Yeah, because I mean, they could bring on Camavinga. You know, they could put in in there. Uh, Yusuf Fafana can also do centre mid. Uh, I mean, even uh, ex Arsenal players there, um, Gwendozi. Gwendozi. Yeah, so you know they've got proper centre midfield options for you. I mean, so you know against a better side, you probably will do that, and then maybe it's Griezmann off the bench, or you only put one pace lad up front. I, if it was me, you'd probably stick with the two pace lads and just tell Griezmann to come off the bench, which is not, you know. Is uh, is Benzema missing the whole tournament, or is it just the first yep. few games? The whole well, tournament? apparently, apparently, so I was there for the whole tournament, and France didn't call up a replacement, so they've gone into the tournament with twenty five players. Which is a bit mad. And you think about it, I think Hernandez's tournament's done. So we're down to 24. Varane's in the squad. Talk is Varane might not play until the if to the knockout stages to get to it, which you think they would do. So you're already going, well, you're down to 23. They've already left themselves down to 23. I find it yeah. a bit odd. Now, unless they think he's got an outside chance of the final. So technically he's registered, but he wasn't registered on the bench as a yeah. being in the squad. So I mean, Kev was saying, <coughs> why would you not do one or two things? Either take a, a Ben Yedder. He's a decent, really good centre-forward. Just have him on the bench as an option. If you don't use it, you yeah. don't use it. You've got him there. Or if you really don't think you need him, call someone, call a, a, whoever your next... And there'll be loads in France. Next exciting prospect is. Stick him on the, your, number, your number 26. And you basically tell the player, you're not going to play. But what you are going to do is you're going to train with us. You're going to get used to the match days and get used to being in a tournament. Like Brazil in 94 did with Ronaldo. Ronaldo got a kick in 94, won a World Cup. But he understood the whole process of tournament football, how, what it's like, you know, the bubble you're yeah. in and all that sort of stuff. So then you're ready. Do it that way. It, I do find it a bit weird. You've got the option of bringing another player. Just bring one in, either youngster for experience or, or a wild card just, for, uh, just in case. You know. Yeah, Laszlo, I think, might have the answer to that there. Deschamps is weird. That's why. <laughs> he is weird. But listen, the you know, as Kev said, he's probably the most successful French manager they've ever produced. You know, he's won everything. Yeah. And what more what more can you ask for him? You know, <clears throat> so but I did think that was a bit bit odd. Yeah. Uh, it's uh but I agree. It's I think this is uh, I think this is a really good game for France's chances. That's yeah, a nice rhyme to it. Uh, in the World Cup, because I mean, they showed some character, they battled back, and their their good players look like they're up for it. Like Mbappe looked on, and Olivier Giroud, he knows where the back of the net is. He gets his second goal. He equals Thierry Henry as the top yep. all-time French goal scorer. So odds are pretty good. He's going to end up as the all-time top French goal scorer by the time the tournament's over. You know, Hugo Lloris, I don't think he's great. But he's a solid keeper. I mean, he's won a World Cup, so he knows what he's doing. And if France yeah, gets Ber- through... Bernard Bernard won a, won a World Cup doesn't make him a great player, you know. No, I I think he's a I think he's a good keeper. He's a you know he's a top six goal goalkeeper in terms of the Premier League. But I think he has too many ricks in him personally. Yeah. Um, but I think that also says maybe that's the state of French goalkeeper football is who's pushing him because the lad the lad from Leeds, you know. He's, too, he's probably not ready yet yeah. for that step, step up no, yet. Like, so, Maignan might have been in with a shout, but he's injured. So, yeah, that so, really left 
only Larice to play in this tournament. So <clears throat> I think this will be his last tournament anyway. I just think it. Uh, well, I he probably will. Really... I think he's. I think he's two or three games off becoming France's all-time most capped player. Lilium Taram is the current mm. holder, and he's. I think they. If they play, if they get out of the group stage, he'll be their most capped player ever. And if they get <coughs> out of the group stage, he'll have their most French appearances in a World Cup ever. So I mean, kind of plays with. They've been there before. They know what they're doing, and I thought they looked yeah. good. And I. I think as much as you might not rate Ubamakano, and I don't think he's. As good he's as good, he was, he was really, he was really good in this game. I can't, I yeah, can't well, deny and, it. Like they have a they have a history together, and that could be yeah, a, yeah. that could be their partnership going forward. And you know, it would be unfortunate and I think unfair probably for Saliba to not get a game. But if these two can form a partnership and they they're on the same level with each other, well, they played together since, since the twenties. Yeah, know, Uber McCarno was always the man in. I think everyone thought before so it'd be Uber McCarno and Barab. That was going to be the two. I think Karate, we thought, would probably miss out on the World Cup because of his injury. But I think we've seen for Liverpool, <coughs> this season, our season's been pretty erratic. As soon as he's come yeah. back in the side, we just naturally look more solid. You know, he just gives he gives us a lot of positives, you know, with his pace, his power, you know, his directness. You know, I still think there are areas that he'll improve on, but, you know, he's only a young man, but he's just an absolute beast. I mean, as for the jury guard, it's a great ball by Mbappe. After me saying he hadn't done much, he didn't get a goal and assist. So, you know, shows I know nothing about football, really. It won't be the first yeah. time that got it wrong. None of us do. Yeah, Red Steve saying, Walcott, Chris. And remember that, yeah, England took Walcott to a World Cup. Now, I mean, it was a bit of a, a, bit of a mad one, that, because that's of the days when we had that only 23-man squad, so you probably actually could have done with him, especially with injuries. But <laughs> that, that sort of thing, I mean, Walcott one didn't work out in the end. But that is kind of the idea. Kev saying Karate should have scored. So, yeah, he, there you go. Kev, Kev's got something for us to pick him out. He's, well, been, he's been practicing headers with Virgil van Dijk all season, apparently, because, yeah, he was really free and open on that. And he should have buried it. But it's it will only do him the world of good. As long as he can come through this tournament without, you know, re-aggravating his injury or picking up another injury, this is going to do him the world of good for us as Liverpool fans going forward. <coughs> uh, Jonathan's mentioned apparently Harry Kane's got off for a scan on his ankle. Yeah, I mean, I saw the tackle, and it did look like he rolled his ankle. The bit I find mad with England is he does that on the 55th minute. England are about 3-1 up, 4-1 up, game's done. Take him off. No. Play for he 75 needs his minutes. go. He needs his go. That's him. his go. I know. It's, it's Just take him off. You know, save him for another it's game. I mean, I think it. I think he'd be fine. Hopefully, he, for, for England, he's probably, hopefully he's fine. But, you know, he does have an, an, a history of ankle issues, but it wasn't particularly late tackling, but it's one of them, isn't it? Uh, Jonathan, someone said Ibu was limping and nearly had a heart attack. Yeah, me and Kev, me and Kev were like that on the stream when someone said Ibu was limping. I think luckily it was just a, a kick, wasn't it, that he seemed to not like. So, he, I mean, he pretty much sorted him out anyway. It but. would be our fucking luck that we've got so few players at the World Cup and it'll be one of the we Liverpool get players that ends up getting injured. And uh, uh, we'll, it will be, we'll do, but you know, look. Yeah. It was quite enjoyable. So, <coughs> and, and nothing, nothing else happened in the world of football. You know, in the background, absolutely no other news broke oh, whatsoever. Something happened in Manchester, didn't it? Uh, I think a player <laughs> left, and I think oh, that's and they're selling the club now as well. So, and they're yeah. selling the club. Yes, yes. It's uh, yeah. I mean, again, Ronaldo obviously think... got exactly what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, he wanted out of United. So yeah, you know, basically he wanted out. He's been wanted out of United since the summer. Yeah. You know, and this whole 
you know, when you have to do a love it, a loving interview with Piers Morgan, which I refuse to watch because it's Piers bloody Morgan. Um, sets it all, you know, pair of dopes together. So leave them to it. As for the United Sale thing, I think people get very, I think some United yeah, fans get really excited. Is but I think it's about the Liverpool thing. I don't think you'll see hide or hair of anything serious till the summer, maybe later. These processes take ages. Chelsea's an extreme because it had to be a quick sale because of the reasons off the fit pitch we know about. They're not they're not in a rush till they get the money. So I think he's, I, I wouldn't surprise me if the Glazers still there in eighteen months time. Yeah, well, it's, it, not, it came out it came out of nowhere. But I mean, like I said immediately into the Telegram group when the news broke of like. If FSG and the Glazers are both looking to get out, obviously there's something, you know, in a macroeconomic world that's happening that, you know, we, we just don't, doesn't even exist for us on a day-to-day basis as just regular football fans. I, do you know, I think something's it up with the money. Yeah, do you know what I think it is? I think if you're Liverpool, is it's a big investment job now to build the next team. And they've probably gone... We probably haven't quite quite got that level, so now also this propo- they're probably thinking, whatever we sell the club for now, we're going to make ten times what we what we uh, bought it for. So quite frankly, you know, we're we're set. And in terms of the United thing, I think it's a bigger job because they're probably now looking going. We probably need to invest in still in the playing squad. There probably is infrastructure stuff behind the scenes in terms of what, how how you both commercially and fo- football wise, what you sort out. They need to. They haven't invested any money in Carrington or the, or the stadium. They, they, these are all these are all biggie jobs. The one thing that makes Liverpool a little bit more attractive is training jo- training centres done. Two of the two of the four stands are done, and there is an infrastructure that a proven infrastructure that's working in the in the back end. So most of it is now commercials. If you want, you, you can do more soon if you want to, but it's it's more like building the squad ready for the, for the next level. So they're both probably in different modes of the next cycle and perhaps both owners have gone that's probably too rich for my too rich for my blood yeah so yeah but we'll see uh john it's really testing team. testing the depth of how many billionaires there are out there that are yeah. interested in owning hey, sports listen, listen there won't be that many because i mean united will cost a lot more what liverpool will uh that's just because i think i think forbes has them about four over four billion you know so it's 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 big money that's just to get the club that's before you even put money into Updated. Uh, Jonathan Don was under an injury cloud as well. You cut, you couldn't make it up. Yeah, so apparently he, he left training early for a, um, went for a quick scan, but then uh, apparently he rejoined training. So I don't think I think it's just one of those niggles that players get. I think so. So I look forward to don't it. Need, don't I don't need that. <laughs> I've been I've been uh, I've been touting Uruguay as my sleeper pick to win the whole thing. So I think I'd be touting Darwin as the as the dark horse for the. Uh, Golden boots. So let's talk sixty-six to one. He was going off at. So yeah, let's talk about your team. Got all Canada because you got an easy start to the World Cup. You've only got you've only got Belgium. It's only Belgium. It's no big deal. It's not like they have you know the best midfielder in the world and uh, world class keeper. But apart from that, that that, you'd be fine. (laughs) The rest are. I yeah, Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweire. They're playing center half, so I'm hoping they get the start, and that provides some opening for us. Because I mean, those guys are ancient, and like Canada's got some pace. That's one thing we got going for us is uh, is we got some pacey, pacey players. Like I don't expect Alfonso Davies to be playing left back like he does for Bayern because. 
he's not the best player on Bayern, but he is very much so the best player on the Canadian national team. You know, Kyle Lahren up front, he scores goals. Tejan Buchanan, Jonathan David. Like, we've got some talented players, <coughs> but there's a big step from CONCACAF qualifying to the World Cup. Yeah, but we've seen that with, um, is it Alaba? Uh, you know, he plays centre-back, left-back for Madrid. But when he plays yeah. for his... When he plays for Austria, yeah, we, he's centre mid because yeah. get your best players there. But Jonathan Davis is going to be a, a good one for you. I'm intrigued yeah. to see how, how, how he does. Pace and power, which, you know, against an old centre back partnership, while, you know, they've got the experience, you know, pace and pace will still always hurt teams. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what. Well, even what like Mounier is not the fastest at right back. Uh, not entirely sure who the left back is for Belgium's team. Should probably look into it a little bit. But. You know, we're all just excited to be here. That's the main thing, is we're just here to have fun. Let's just score a goal. But after today's result, you look at it and you go, well, son of a bitch, if Saudi Arabia can beat Argentina, Canada could do something. Yeah, our, our Allison, I, if I knew how to kick people from the chat, I would. You can just get I know, get I right, know how to right I know how to do it, and I'm protecting it because I like Art Allison. <laughs> <laughs> he says Belgium are more defensive, than, I think now though as well. So that'll be an interesting one because it's a bit, a bit different for them. Uh, Bonker saying is Jeremy Doku playing? Uh, we were linked to him last year. It's a very good question. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, correct. I'm Kare- not sure who's gonna get in. Like Caresco is the um, left back. He went to China at one point, didn't he? I remember when he came back? I think is he at. Athletino, I will Google Belgium's World Well, he Cup was there. But I mean, okay. So if you're looking at a back line of Yannick Carrasco, Elder Weirel, Jan Vertonghen, and Thomas Mounier, there's not a lot of pace there. So. But you got to, but, but when you think they've got, Kev, the likes of Kev, you got the likes of Kevin De Bruyne playing centre, but you got to get the ball off him first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do have to get, to, that's, that's, that's going to be the tough part. But I mean, hopefully the Canadian coaching team were doing a little bit of homework and, Watched, you know, our game against Manchester City. Watched, I mean, uh, who beat them just yeah. before the <coughs> Egypt season? Egypt no, who beat, who, who beat City in the Premier League the last weekend? Oh, like, Brentford. 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 You just, like, especially how we played against them, of just deny space and the ball to De Bruyne. If you got to leave somebody else a little bit more free, that's fine. Just don't let him do what he's going to do, and you've got a half-decent chance of getting something out of the game. Uh, just let, but just let, just let Bonkers know, Jeremy Doku is in the squad. Um, I'm just having a look at who else. Got. Trossard's made it from Brighton as well. Uh, Lukaku's the in the squad. There. Yeah, I think uh, Lukaku's in the squad, but I don't think he's going to play because I think he's I think he came with an injury. Uh, who else is there? Batshuayi. He's still kicking around. Oh, wow. uh, Midfield-wise, they've got KDB. Uh, Onana from Everton, who's had, a re- who's had a good season for them. Tielemans. Yeah. Axel Wetzel. Torgan Hazard. You know, so... Castagna from Leicester. And Munier. Oh, be, there's, there's your left back. Yeah, and Munier from Dortmund as well, who can also play fullback as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's a few a few options there. So, be, will be interesting. Obviously, big, big size on the bench as well. Mr. Mignolet, who's... Yeah. I think he's at AM. Oh, I thought you were talking about Aiden Hazard. Big size. (coughs) Big size. Yeah, big wages. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, I don't think he was great in in the build of the World Cup either. So, 
Are you looking forward to it? Are you, gen- are you genuinely looking forward to it? Are you just like, oh, Christ? No, I am. I, I, I am looking forward to it. I mean, this is something that might not happen again in my lifetime because we're not a football-playing nation. But I really do have big hopes that they're that there's, you know, they always talk about legacy from the tournaments and, you know, from this tournament and then going into co-hosting the next one that, you know, hopefully in 20 years, we can at least be a serious contender for winning the gold cup, you know, and stop losing to Panama and Costa Rica and stuff like that, because we shouldn't, you know, we're, we're a good sporting nation. We produce good athletes. We should be able to put out a decent footballing side. So hopefully that's what I'm looking yeah. forward to. It's kept us at you your host next time so technically you, so you you will be qualified for the next world cup anyway exactly so, so that, you know that's, we, back, that's back to back and it's done wonders for your women's team because you the women's Canadian team is really good yeah yeah so, we're fantastic i mean we're able we're we're up there you know with the top five ten teams in the world mm-hmm. you know you know winning olympic gold medals and like it's fantastic and it's extremely exciting and it creates a lot more passion around it and it's starting to help kill off that old fashioned Canadian mentality of like, Oh, soccer, who likes soccer? It's zero, zero. And everybody just dives and it's the most boring sport in the entire world. Like it can be, but it it can also be the most exciting thing. It is. Yeah. But that's why we love it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't remember what, what tournament it was that I think it was the Olympics that they played against the U S and it was just, it was some of the most exciting football you could ever watch. And like, I can't imagine the impact that that had on young girls, you know, that are sitting there watching these Canadian women going and, you know, winning major tournaments. Like it's, it's a great thing for the country and you need it because the cost of playing hockey is ridiculous, ridiculous. So we need more kids playing footy. I know she's got a Canadian lady at uh, the balloon. I know she's currently recovering from, uh, neck surgery but um she's she's really good she's i think she was on the cusp of getting into the uh canadian squad as well which is uh really unfortunate when she got that injury so look that's the that's the, the legacy you hope for isn't that in like you said 10 20 years time it is you know you're not seeing just the odd player like um davidson Bayern or you know uh junior Hoylet. yeah yeah you're not seeing the odd one it becomes more of a thing now you, you just have you know, a lot of Canadians playing in Europe, which is what America's doing now. Most of the American squad now play in Europe and yeah. playing, you know, I mean, they don't just play like, you know, playing for lower leagues as you know, they play for very good sides in Europe, you know, and that's kind of just a progression. It's like, it just, these things just take time. Like yeah, we're, not- we're, we'd be, we'd be a generation, you know, to put it in a, a rough term behind the Americans in terms of the national yeah. men's team. You know, our our women have caught up and we're kind of neck and neck with them, which is impressive because the amount of money in the collegiate system that, comes out of the United oh, States. Their massive. ability to produce, you know, women footballers is almost unequaled in the entire world. So we need to catch up with our men's team and, you know, hopefully. But, hey, if Saudi Arabia can beat Argentina, we can beat Belgium. So, you know, let's keep positive. Uh, Jonathan, population of Canada, I think, is about 38 million. So, oh, it's not... so you should have had a few decent footballs at 38 million, you would think. Well, you'd think so, but the football playing season is about six months long. So... Oh, you know, well, you know, you've always got an excuse, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, look at how good our hockey team is. <coughs> I don't know what they're good. And our hockey team. Uh, uh, in uh, other women's news, I did hear they interrupted during one of the games I was listening to that uh, Beth Mead did her knee today. So yeah, she's uh, um, she's done her ACL. Uh, I was watching. Yeah. I saw the highlights of the United game. It's quite an innocuous pushing her as well. So it's one of those ones where she got a bit of a nudge, but it's you can see when someone lands and the way they land, you're sort of going, that doesn't look. We've yeah. all seen enough 
no one's a doctor, but we, you, we've all seen enough football when you know a way a person, a player lands, you go, that just feels like that's a bad one. And you're all going, hopefully it's not the big one. And unfortunately it is. And it is, it's actually more, com- sadly, it's quite, it's a more common injury in women's football than it is in men's football. Um, I think there are reasons behind it, but you know, horrible. So she's, she's now in a pretty much a race for the world, race for the world cup now next year. So, you know, Fingers crossed, because she's a very, very good player. I mean, she was top goal scorer at the uh, the Euros. Um, yeah. So, fingers crossed. But yeah, that that's a big blow for Arsenal as well. You know, because they obviously they lost to United, so they're now uh, behind Chelsea, but they've got a game, they've got a game in hand. But you know, that that was a big loss, and then losing the, you know, arguably one of their best players. You know, it's a it's a big big loss for Arsenal. Uh, I mean, women wise, I think that our, our women drew three three. They play Thursday. I mean, Thursday's. Big day, actually. Looking at look, just looking ahead. Thursday, I think, is possibly the day of the World Cup tournament, really, because it's Switzerland, Cameroon, Uruguay, Korea, Portugal, Ghana, and Brazil, Serbia. All of yeah. them feel like more exciting games, and there's something on them, and fairly evenly matched, or there's a potential upset there. So, you know, I'm looking for. I'm actually looking forward to Thursday's games. I think Thursday's probably going to be one of the the best games of the World Cup. Watch them all be fucking nil-nils now, and I'll be sat there going, <laughs> yeah, what, what a great day this was. <laughs> yeah, sign yourself up for four watch-alongs and the post-after show. And yeah, yeah where, no, where nothing happens. So, you know, grand, grandiosa. Um, cool. Right, anything else you want to bring up before we go, Matt? Because uh, we've yeah. done 45 minutes, and I think we've done well to get 45 minutes out of two nil-nils and then That's do exciting true. games. This is true. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think that's... Be tough to top uh, today, I think, for upset of the tournament. I mean, if you're going to get a I bigger so. upset than that, it's going to be an exciting tournament, you know. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, do the thing that I'll say is uh, on your way out, guys, hit the like button, hit you know, subscribe. Um, we're going to keep doing a watch, we're going to try and do as many of these watch alongs as, as we can, probably mainly the late game because most of us have jobs, unfortunately. So, we can't, I can't, we can't sit and just do all of them, and we will keep doing these like previews at uh, post post reactions at, at 10 o'clock where we can just talk around the games really have, have a bit of fun um and then the only other thing we can say is uh mentioned already links in the description below for Lydia's um charity so um I think we're, we're over the 5k mark now so uh this is to get a treatment for endometriosis which if you don't know what it is have a Google about it. It's a horrible illness. It's a really horrible illness. Um you know and for her it's a real challenge for her mental health because She's that ill with it and in that much pain that, you know, she can't can't leave the house. So this is treatment that can hopefully, you know, make life a bit easier for her. So, look, we've done this before. Like we always say, just give what you can. Kev always says that the fives and tens will do it for us. If you can't donate, look, we know times are tough, then uh, just keep sharing it because, look, it will reach somebody who will be able to help. And, look, we'll just keep doing our bit. Uh, Tom Bosner, pesky solido. Uh, he's Canadian, isn't he? He's on the quarter. Oh, that was it. That was, I was on that show. That was the best show I did with Gav, where Olivier now, said it, it, Pesky Solo's down on the, on the quarter. And Gav was so made up. And then a bit later, he had to go, oh, I'm on a mess. It's not really, I've never seen, <laughs> I don't know how he'd ever thought that that was I've a never, thing. Now, I've never if seen he looks, Gav look so devastated in all his lives. Like, if he looks like, if he has any sort of passing resemblance to a profile of King Charles, he might end up on our quarter because our new coins are going to have to have our new monarch on the back of them. So, look at you. Oh, I've got, well, I've got delight as well. But listen, 
Nice to do a show, Matt. We haven't done one for ages. Yeah, no problem. I, I liked all the Canadian love we got going on here in the chat, going through all the famous Canadians. Yeah, yeah. You guys know your Canadians. It's pretty good. Yeah. Just wait till tomorrow, because if you don't, if you don't win, they'll rinse you tomorrow. Oh no! But if uh, if I, I'm hoping to get home in time to watch the whole game from work. I mean, 2 p.m. kickoffs. I mean, it's just absolutely brutal over here. But if uh, if we manage to score a goal, I think I'm just gonna just crash right on into the watch along and just do a couple minutes of straight yelling and then jump back out again. Hey, listen, if they win that, we'll get you. On, we'll get you on the 10 o'clock show and just watch you scream and get really happy. For <laughs> Never hear the it's end really of it. Cool. Right, mate. I'll let you. I'll let you send us home. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. That was today at the World Cup. Hashtag one love. I think that's what you're supposed to do. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not um, kids, Mike. Don't be asking me. Yeah, I don't know. It's too old for that sort of stuff. <laughs> See you guys around. Enjoy the World Cup. See you tomorrow. Oh, wrong button. Oh, my, fault. My, my bad. We'll try again. That was, that was smooth as anything, that. Yeah, no. Podcast Network.